let's get started. So we're going to talk today about vision direction with God. And today we got a guest, y'all can see. We got a celebrity here to join me. Yes, sir. We got Ross with me. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Uh, my name is Ross Gardner. I am an artist. I'm from Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh, I do music. I do photography, videography, film, you know, just very artistic, visionary. That's all I'm going to say. All right. So first thing I want to do is I'm going to go first, but I want to talk about our directions in our lives. For me, I came into college, honestly, not know what major I wanted to do. Uh, well, before I before I came to college, I had been putting this major called computation modeling and data analytics, which is basically computer science on drugs. Uh, you know, I was under the impression that it was going to be good for me because once you come out of college, most of those people they get six figures, and I want I I love sports. Like you know, in the group chats, we always talk about sports. I love sports. Yeah. And I thought I could take that into sports, which I could have, but there's just so much programming, so much coding. And I struggled with that. That was that was too much for me. There are people in that class that were doing coding like they knew the back of their hand. Like it was a foreign language to me. I was getting help. I was getting tutoring. And after three semesters, I just told myself, I gotta, I gotta get out of this. Cause at this point. I might end up failing as a whole. I'm end up wasting my parents' money, uh, getting me in college and stuff. And it's gonna put me through a mental turmoil to go through four years and plus grad school of programming. So last year, when was it? Around November, I called my mom and I told her I needed to switch majors. And I knew she wasn't gonna like that because she was really she was really supporting me being in, in computer science and stuff like that. She really wanted she really wanted me to go down a STEM uh career path. But we were we were able to figure out a solution. And now I'm sports media analytics, kind of communications major. But at the time I was struggling with the descent with the uh thought of is this what God wants me to do? Am I making the wrong decision? I kept on having thoughts of am I gonna regret making this decision down the future? And I could say right now, I'm not feeling any regrets. But since then, I've always I've always been asking myself, am I going to regret this? Am I going to regret this? And the biggest thing that worries me is with that previous major, I had six figures waiting for me once I graduate. And now I have like maybe 60K waiting for me when I graduate. So I'm always worried about the money because I know being the way I was raised, I was raised in a very bougie way. I was spoiled. Got all the new stuff. Every time new 11s drop, my mom would get me and my sister a pair. So I know if I'm going to live my lifestyle, I got to get some money. Mm -hmm. And over the summer, even before the summer, you know, my YouTube group, Two For All Mafia, I came up with that idea. I never, I don't think I see that as my, my primary. I've never seen content creating as my primary way in life. I see my my college degree as my primary path in life right now. But me and my friends came up with Two For All Mafia. I really love that. Hope you do big things with that. Then I got this podcast. And I know God wants me to do this because, one, I'm glorifying his kingdom. I'm spreading his word. I'm trying to help others learn about this. 
So I know this is something good, but thing I'm currently struggling with is, is this my future? I've been ignoring the, I've realized I've been ignoring the possibility of being a content creator or being this, being a podcaster, being a Christian influencer as being my main path in my future. And recently I've been seeing, it's hard to call them visions, but I've been seeing visions. Like I've been seeing visions of God telling me, you're going to be speaking in front of big crowds of people, influencing people to come to Christ. You're going to be doing this podcast, blowing up, getting a bunch of uh, clout, making good money off this. It is your future. And I still have these doubts that maybe it's not, maybe it won't work out. But as time goes on, I keep progressing, progressing. So I know this is the path that God's got me on. Yeah. I feel like the main thing, like you kind of said at the beginning of the story, like, the main thing we confuse with God's vision and like with the world that's going on around us is like we worry about what the world has to say because you you said talking out like about your major you was like oh everybody says like this is the job that gets six figures this is the job that like and that's not God's vision that was everybody else telling you that oh coming out of college you can do this job make this amount of money and such and so like I feel like when we really lock in on what God has for us it's not going to be the route that everybody's telling you to go you know it's going to be a different route and most of the time it's something that you never thought you would be doing like I know with music I never thought I'd be doing that as my calling you know and you and we talked a little bit like this pod like you never thought like or maybe I seen it was a post like you never thought you would be doing something like this like because you really like yeah observed individual like me too and, yeah like, I'm usually not like that you know speaking to people and like that's normally not me but like when God has you called to do something, it's going to be something that's outside your comfort zone, and it's going to be away from the path that the world is going towards. And so that's kind of like what happened with me, too. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I always, I always, like, every time I think about it, I think about my pastor, because my pastor always talks about how growing up, he knew he wanted to be a, a preacher, and he was like, he became a licensed preacher at the age of 15, but he always talked about how he was shy. He was quiet. Nobody really liked him. He wasn't popular. People were always doubting him. And now he's a pastor of a church of like 30,000 members mm-hmm. and one of the most globally respected men in the religious community. That's and I also think about, I think about Moses too. Like I just thought about this today while I was getting my hair done. Like Moses in the Bible God tells him he's going to be a leader. He's going to lead his people yeah. out of Egypt. And he's going to be a great leader of a great nation. And uh, then his response is... Himself. He was down himself, y'all. Exactly. His response was, I can't. I have speech issues. I get afraid when I speak in front of people. Mm-hmm. And then you look at him now. You look at what he did, the righteousness he gained. Mm-hmm. And you just look all throughout the Bible. You look at people that had troubled past, Everybody. people that doubt themselves. Literally nobody in the Bible had a perfect past before they did their big work mm-hmm. in the Bible. So and I just all in the Bible thought it was too big to do by themselves. Like everybody in the Bible didn't exactly. think they were qualified enough to do it. Exactly. Like they seemed unqualified based on what we think. We would think they're unqualified, but God was like, nah, I chose you to do this. Mm-hmm. Because of, because of your God takes what your weaknesses are and makes them your biggest strengths, and that's gonna be your testimony through your vision. Mm-hmm. Or through his vision, not your vision, through his vision and his direction mm-hmm. for you, Ty B. Mm-hmm. I think one thing people don't uh, utilize the most is patience. 
And I always preach, preach to myself that I am patient and I am, I feel like it. But in the big picture, I don't think I'm as patient as I am in the little picture. People want the, I remember I seen a clip of Shador talking to Dion about this. He's like, people want the microwave way of things. And if you want things to come quicker, you just got to pray to God. But that was just a joke. Really, if you want all these good things to happen, it's going to take time. Like, yeah. the way I've been thinking recently is I'm about to be a senior next year. I haven't had an internship yet. I don't. I really don't know what I want to do with my major. And I want this podcast to blow up. So I feel like I'm pressuring myself within the, within now to like next summer to make a big move. But the reality is it may take about five years for me to get this stuff going. I was thinking but, the exact same thing. So like my, me and my mom was kind of talking like she came down and visited today. Like I'm, I'm also in the same boat. Ten years next year. I've been doing this music for about three, about three years since COVID 2023. So about three, almost four years. And I'm in my major. I'm an econ major. I haven't had no, like, internships yet. Like, I don't really know, like, where I want to go after college. And I feel like we put this pressure on ourselves, but God always has the best time. And, like, you know, everything's going to be revealed in due time. So I'm worried. I'm not worried, but at the same time, it's like, you know, we everybody's patient until the rubber meets the road. And so, like, we always looking down that road, like, okay, God, what you going to what you're going to do is getting close is getting close, but then we just, he's like, I got it. And so we just got to trust in that almost trusting his word. You know, we read, we read the Bible, like every single promise he made, he came, it came to fruition, you know, it just took time. And so I like, in due time and everything will come to fruition. And that's what I just got to keep telling myself when it comes to that. I know my pastor always says when man is rejected, that means there's something better to come. And I apply that to myself with these internship applications. Like I keep on applying and applying and applying. And that the thing they always the thing when you get rejected from a job internship, they always say, We're choosing somebody that's better qualifications. But me knowing me, I know I'm qualified. And whatever this other person has, whatever their resume may look like, they may just like they may look good, but I know yeah. deep down. I feel good and I know I'll do good. So like, I just keep looking at these internships. I keep looking at like everybody else doing better than me. What, what I think is better than me. Like they may be making more money than me. They may have more success than me. And I don't get jealous for them. I feel real happy for them. Like one of my closest friends, I remember the beginning of the summer, Uh, it was our first time meeting up. We met up at the gym, first time in the summer, coming back from college. And I said, yo, what you got planned for the summer? He's like, I got an internship with FDIC. FDIC is like this big, really big banking company. I think like nationwide. I don't know exactly what they do, but I asked him how much you getting paid. He said 37K for two months. For internship? Yeah. Wow. Like I was beyond happy for him. He went and got a new car too. Like now, I'm not going to say who he is. Like some of my pocket watches him, but <laughs> I'm just like, that made me so happy for him. Mm. And like, I look at that and I don't get jealous though. Like I just keep, I just keep myself pushing. I'm just like, I know my time's going to come. My chance to shine is going to come. My big breakthrough is going to come, but it just takes patience all in all. And honestly, it's really hard to do that. It's hard to not 
to see somebody like that's your peer that, you know, you grew up with or like somebody that you've seen go through these stages and get to a point where it seems like they're doing better than you or like seems like they're at a point where you want to be at in your career and it's hard to not compare yourself. It's hard to not do that and like look at them like, oh, they're doing better than me. So like how would you go about like a situation like that? I don't know. Like I look at, let's say Elon Musk. One of the richest men ever. Many people go like, yo, I want to be a billionaire. I want to be as rich as Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates, or anybody else that's like a billionaire. And I think, well, they have all this money, but are they happy? They got all this money, but are they depressed? I know me personally right now where I am, I'm I'm happy. I love my life. Every I feel like everything is going great. I feel rich. I don't got to have a billion dollars in order to feel rich like mm-hmm. i feel spiritually rich i don't need those materialistic things to feel validated like if you look at elon musk he gets backlash all the time for the decisions he makes and i don't want to be known as a man that makes questionable decisions that might affect other people while i may have to make those kind of decisions i don't want that to be my reputation not that i also care about what my reputation is to be honest with you but there's more than the money that these people have. Your net worth doesn't define you. But as far as anybody else, if it, if I know you and you get that type of money, you're doing financially better than me. You're having more career success than me. I'm never going to be jealous. I'm always going to be happy. Like my biggest goal in life is to support others and lift each other, lift everybody up. Like I remember I was thinking if somebody asked me, what would I do if I had a billion dollars? What would I do with it? And I knew immediately, I said, I would take 500 million, keep it to myself, take 100 million and tie it to my church. Because I don't know where my pastor got this from, where these pastors got it from. But they said, whenever you tie, tie 10% of your money. And I don't know if that's true or not, but that honestly says well with me. Because if you look at 10%, that's not in my opinion, not that much of your money. So I would donate a hundred million, tie a hundred million to my church. And then the 400 million I'd invest in some sort of company that provides housing and whatever other financial needs to the homeless. Like my, I always tell myself, I want to be rich so that I can live comfortably. Yeah, put on for others type B. That live comfortably, give to others and give my family a comfortable life. I don't ever chase financial uh, rewards for my sake. I I chase it so that I can give it to others. Because growing up, I always watch my parents, invite my friends to my house, always buy a bunch of food for them, take us places, take us to the movies. And I always like think like that's a lot of money. Like I'm talking about five, six of my friends always over every weekend. They paying for all this. And what do their parents give my parents in return? Probably nothing. I feel you. Cause I kind of grew up the same kind of way. Like, you know, if all my friends came over, they'd be like, my mom would just be like, Oh, what y'all all want for dinner? Like, all y'all want me to order some pizzas? Like, and, and not to like compare, but sometimes I go over to my friend's house and you know, it wasn't the same or like I go. Mm-hmm. And so like, honestly, people say that when your parents make money, it makes you like kind of spoon fed or it makes you like, I don't know. I just feel like you get a different perspective. I feel like people don't really see that. Like, honestly, it kind of puts 
I won't say it puts pressure on you, but kind of to where it's like, you know, I want to be able to do that for my kids and be able to, you know, give to everybody like my parents gave to me, you know, and just like, it's kind of that, that feeling of like, I saw how you guys did it. I want to do it like how you guys did. And it necessarily don't make you spoon fed, but it can make you, it can, stuff like that can make you a harder worker. I feel like, um, people just need to embrace different backgrounds. Like, Somebody that's from a different background may say, oh, you spoon fed, you this, you that. And then, and they think that seeing a, a small fraction of your life defines how you live. And they think that they know how you live just because they see a small fraction of your life. But honestly, do you really look into how that person like do you really discover that other person? You know, I feel like it's more than just what you see on the surface. Are you really delving deep into it? Yeah, like I know a lot of my friends, they always go like, Nate, you're spoiled. Nate, parents are rich. Yeah, they are. Yeah, I was spoiled. But I know nowadays, and my friends ask me about them food. I buy them food because, one, I know I'll make it back. And, two, I'm not trying to see my friends starve. I'm not trying to see them, like, go hungry and starve themselves to death for the rest of their lives. So I'll always give them food. And that's something I took away from my parents. Like, my parents always give my friends food. So I'm going to give my friends food, too. It's what we learn from my parents. And that's, that's like you said about, like, the different backgrounds like people think if you came up coming from a poor family then they got it hard in you and realistically they do but they really don't know the true character of you they may not know hey maybe this person can help me because maybe you may be like if you treat me wrong bro i'm not gonna give you food i'm not gonna help you out yeah, they like, think because of your background that they know certain traits about you. Like, oh, since he did this, he's like this, this, and this. And that's not necessarily the case all the time. There are definitely people that are spoon-fed and entitled. And, like, that is 100% true. But, like, to say that you know them and you know their characteristics based on where they come from and their background is untrue. And it's, yeah. Yeah. Untrue. Yeah. All right. I want to talk about, like, your direction towards music you were you were one of the best dbs at your school i'm assuming i'm pretty sure you can I say that best db in the county led the led the or not the county not the county shoot the county too but led led the um the conference of interceptions and in past deflections check out my highlights on huddle ross gardner <laughs> let me put that to plug my fault <laughs> so you got you got did you get a scholarship from your school um, it wasn't a, uh, for D3, you can't get a scholarship, but oh, basically, crazy. but kind of a scholarship. Like you can't get, you can't get football scholarships at a D3 school. But basically, wild. they give out what they do is if your grades is good enough, they give you an academic scholarship, and they give you like basically a roster spot. So pretty much like a scholar, as much as a scholar football scholarship as they can give. All right. So you got to, you got to the football team, got to college. And then you said, I want to go to music. And you've talked about how you knew you couldn't go, like, make it to league because you weren't, uh, you didn't have the body frame to be in the league, right? No, I, I feel like if I really wanted to go to the league, I could have went to the league. I'll leave it at that. Yeah. All right. But either, either way, you put it down. You put football yeah. away from music. Mm-hmm. So what was what was that like? What did that how did that decision come about? Man, I remember the so for D three we went to college two weeks before everybody else, right? 
And basically those two weeks are just training camp. And so I remember the first day of training camp, the head coach, um, he was like, football is now your new job. And I was like, whoa. Like, I don't know. I don't know what it was just about what he said and the way he said it, but that just stuck with me. And I was like, I don't know. Like, once he said that, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this anymore because I had already started music, but, like, I was just now getting serious. And so I was like, um, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if this is for me anymore, even though I love I love football. And so that was the first day of training camp. That was on a Monday. By Wednesday, I talked to my coach. I was like, yo, I don't think football is for me anymore. And, you know, I talked to him man to man, though. I quit. But after I quit, I cried. I cried for like a week, a week straight. Because, you know, as when something's a part of your identity for so long, you know, football was all through from since seventh grade. I've been playing football like all year. That was me. That was me. I was the football player. I was the good football player on the team. You know, that's what people knew me as. And when your identity is taken away a little bit, it kind of hurts. And people don't really talk about that, the identity shift and when that hurts. And so I cried. I did. But I knew that that was what God wanted for me. And so. I shifted to taking music like more serious, you know, the time that I would be practicing for football. Instead, I was studying music, studying content creation, you know, studying production and stuff like that. And yeah. And it's just all branched from there. Do you ever wish you played football again? Um, do I wish I played football again? I won't say, I'll say I miss playing, but do I wish I played it again? No, because I wouldn't have been able to put all the effort into the game. I miss playing on what well, we played on Fridays in high school, but like I will be playing on Saturdays. I miss playing football, but like I don't I didn't want to put the extra work in anymore. I didn't want to do the film sessions. I didn't have time for the workouts. You know, I didn't have time for the practices and the two a days and the three days and the conditioning and all the stuff that goes before that. And so it would then be just like a disrespect to the game of football and to myself if I just wasted my time like that and everybody else's time too, you know? So I thought it was time. Like, you know, those TikToks are like, people are like, oh, freshman's first day of training camp. And then like, they're dead after like the first day. That was, hey, that was low key me because they were sending us a bunch of workouts <laughs> over the summer and I didn't do any of them, bro. I didn't do any bro. of them. I knew when I was done. So do you think if you did those workouts, you could have you could at least made it through one day or at least a week? I know I made it. I made it through like the first couple of days, but like I was I was out of shape though. I was out of shape. I ain't I hadn't been to the gym all summer. But like when we did when we started playing doing one on ones and stuff in practice, I was cool. But like when it came to the conditioning and the lifting weights, I was like, uh, uh I couldn't do that like that no more. All right then. So. <laughs> We got takeoff. Blew up on TikTok. Yeah. Let's talk about the creation of Superstar Dreams. How long, when did that start? Creation of Superstar Dreams started immediately after I quit football. Um, yeah, I started writing that first semester of freshman year, Superstar Dreams. So the idea of that was basically like, so it mm, do I want to go into that the large like deal of it? So it started off as an idea called the transformation plan, where I just wanted to like 
basically just transformed my life. You know, I didn't play football anymore. So like, how can I transform? How can I evolve? So it started off as a transformation plan. And that's what it was going to be called. And I wrote lyrics and stuff for that, songs and stuff for that. And so um, that I just spent a lot of time alone with myself. And I feel like that's where the writing process really came, was just coming and spending a lot of time alone with myself, figuring out what I really wanted and what I really had. And I had superstar dreams. And so um, the creation of that was really just a lonely process almost. And so um, I remember... I made the beats and the production and stuff for it. And then um, I would go to this practice room to record. And so it's like four, it's four walls. And it's almost, I don't want to say it's almost like a prison cell, but it's almost like a prison cell. Like that room is so tiny, the practice rooms I would go into. And then I would just be in there all day, just recording and recording and recording. And those are the days that like really made me like that mentality of just missing out on the parties, not going to the functions, not, you know, seeing people, saying what's up to people, you know, just going and locking in and recording. That's what Superstar Dreams is, you know, just that focus, that drive. That's what I was really on when I made that. It was very focused energy. So each song, all your songs that you write, they do sound like they're from your perspective. They sound heartfelt. Like these aren't just random words. These are words that someone has felt from emotions experience and they put them on paper and through a mic and out there on streaming platforms Mm -hmm. where did all that motivation where did the influence come for the songs on superstar dreams honestly um it just came from my situation and my experience you know on shooting star no that was on superstar dreams when i wrote still all alone shopping at five below i'm broke the nighttime never been so cold. You know, I was shopping at five below at nighttime. It was cold outside. And, you know, it just came from experience and like looking around in my environment. And honestly, it took time discovering myself and discovering my mind and discovering like what my situation was and how can I put that out for other people to see, to know that, you know, it's okay to feel these types of ways if you have dreams like these dreams like mine and just to just I just wanted to show people the real the real situation of everybody talks about the lifestyle the money living out the dream I'm living the dream but nobody talks about you know on shooting star without a dollar in my wallet just the dreams in my pocket you know having nothing starting from that you know I just wanted it to be the real so after you released it how did you feel about it hmm after I released, I remember when I released, uh, it was midnight. My roommate wasn't in the room at the time. And I remember just putting on my headphones and just like listening to it. And just like, it was one of the greatest feelings in the world because like you put so much time and so much effort. I started making that in August of 2021. I didn't release it until February 20, 2023. That's almost that's almost two years in the making, you know, and this and it's only seven songs. But like, you know, you got to think at that time, I'm still learning how to produce. I'm still learning how to write learning. And so all the learning on top of that in conjunction with, you know, writing every lyric, writing every bar, um, putting every note together, you know, editing all the videos, you know, all the hard work or like I think I cried. I think I cried when it came out because it was just such a feeling like, oh, I really 
I really did that, you know? I made something from my mind that wasn't reality and I made it into a re into a real tangible thing, you know, that's 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 a feeling like no other. I know me <clears throat> me growing up like in school, like let's say art class, teacher might ask us to do a certain assignment. I would have the perfect vision in my mind, but the execution would be horrible. Mm -hmm. Like I may have an idea of the Eiffel Tower, but I put out the Eiffel Tower at which y'all's amusement park called uh King's Island. <laughs> the Eiffel Tower at King's Island. Y'all don't got that, do you? What you nah our King's Bro. Island Ohio. Yeah, that one. There's no Eiffel Tower there. Not that I'm the drop tower? Yeah, that 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 <laughs> that. I said Eiffel Tower. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, the drop tower. So even with my essays, well, I'm a good I'm a good writer now. I've been getting real good at writing, but even with my writing, I would have visions of what I want my paper to look like and it would be unorganized. And then I get to where I am now, this podcast, content creation, even though it's not doing good, everything I see in my head that I want to put out, like between each post, each story, each podcast, I've been able to turn that vision to reality. So did you ever struggle with turning a vision of a song into reality? Um, I have, and it's something I'm kind of struggling with now, a little bit with the song that I'm creating now off my, that's going to be on my new album. Um, yeah, sometimes it is hard. Like one, uh, I had a song on Superstar Dreams. I was supposed to be on Superstar Dreams, but it, it didn't end up being. And so like, some songs aren't meant to be like some things aren't meant to be, you know, turned into a reality. But you know, the things that you know would really that are really supposed to be there that you know are really supposed to be there, I just try hard to write it down, you know, to get it out of my brain and onto something tangible, like you know, writing out on a piece of paper. I find that's the easiest way you can at least articulate your vision, and then from there you branch on. And so, yeah, I feel like. When I do have trouble, I write it down, and that gives me a lot of clarity. Well, since you mentioned your new album, let's go ahead and move on to Summer Haze. You said Where did, oh, I said since since we since you mentioned your new album, let's go ahead and go into Summer Haze, which is the EP you just dropped. Mm -hmm. I got some inside information about that, but go ahead and talk about the creation of that, the inspiration, the and how that's beginning. That's beginning of your four part story. Okay, yeah, I can talk about that. Um, so summer haze, I kind of I had the idea for that the summer, um, after my freshman year. So I wrote summer haze like two years ago, one year ago. Yeah, I wrote summer haze, the song summer haze, one year ago. Um, I've been sitting on those beats for a minute. I sat on the summer haze beat the changes beat and promises no time. I sat on those beats for like two to three years and I had the vision for it when on yeah, freshman year summer. And that's another thing with like vision, you know, you may have a vision one in, in a year and it may take a couple years to come to fruition. And that's how summer haze was. And the idea behind that was kind of just like, nothing's the same no more. You know, the things that you used to do, the things that you used to be, the people you used to be with, aren't the same anymore. And I kind of realized that once I came back from college 
after my freshman year, I'm like, whoa, this isn't the same type of feeling, the same type of vibe. It seems like everything's moving. Everything's out of place. And so that's what that is. And it's the beginning of my four-part album series. Yeah. So we got the love. Can I name drop that? You can name drop. You can name drop. So we got the love story. Yeah, because you did say in the end of yeah, I said uh, in the, in the promises. Yeah, you time. said yeah, you said it in the song. Yeah, I got inside information on that. I got inside information on that too. So let's tell the story about the love story. What is love? I feel like I'm answering that question, or I'm not. I'm not answering the question, but I'm asking the question, and I'm proposing more questions to it. Is love? just attachment is love the vulnerabilities is love just the lust is love just you know the feelings that we have you know when I like somebody when I you know the feelings that I have when I see somebody that's attractive is it just the feelings or is it something more and I feel like in the love story I'm answering that while describing I'm going through like a story the love story i'm going through like a story from the beginning of the album to the end of the album you're not going to have the same feeling you know you're just going to make you think it's going to make you question what you actually know and what you actually think and yeah and i'm working on i'm working on some stuff for that you know i'm collaborating with a few people so in my uh in my episode about music i mentioned how i admire how artists I admire those artists that tell their life story. And I don't feel like that's something that's necessarily a bad thing toward God's, God's kingdom. I think it's something important that people share their viewpoints in the world and what they've yeah. experienced to other people through music. Would you say that's what you're doing with this four four part series of, of albums? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I feel like your story is your testimony. If you don't tell your story, that's the whole point of us of us living. That's the whole point of God bringing you to his vision. You know, he wants you to tell your story. He wants you to go through the through the pain of your purpose. And then you tell that for people so they can be inspired. You know, every book in the Bible is somebody's story. You know, so if you're not telling your story, then honestly, I won't say you're kind of not worshiping God in that sense, but almost is like is what it's like. And so, yeah, I'm kind of just telling my story, my my love story what I gain from my scars and love, you know, and this four part album series kind of tells the story of like, so Summer Haze was kind of about reflecting on love and what it used to be and who I used to be with. And then the love story is kind of like, what is love? You know, I'm questioning that. And then in the next album, I won't mention the name of it yet. The third album, we're going to kind of time travel backwards into how I gain that perspective and point of view. And in the fourth one, I'm going to talk about what love is, what it actually should be. And so it's kind of like a progression like that. So you say collaborating, what kind of collaborations are we talking about? Are we talking about features, production, writing? Features, production, writing, um, scripts, poetry, um, movies music videos visuals all that all right yeah we we trying to we trying to we trying to up it we trying to up it 
So of all that music, poetry, is that does that uh go with RG Productions? Yeah. So how did that come to be? Talk about that. So RG Productions, um, RG Productions is just something I used to say in the basement all the time when we was playing the game. So like I made, I remember one time I made my pro am team on two K and then I put <clears throat> RG Productions on the side, like just you know, RG Productions, and so um that really didn't come to be starting to get serious serious until um I started doing photography um I started doing photography and then that was my that was my tag like you know RG Productions RG Productions and so I ended up making an Instagram for it because people would ask me for photography and then I ended up making it a business you know RG Productions LLC certified so 10 years from now Obviously, you see yourself as the biggest star in the world. Absolutely. Other than that, what do you see Ross Gardner doing in 10 years? 10 years. I am 20. I will be 30. Um, I'm still going to be making music. But I'm going to be on the kind of, am I going to be on the downswing by then? I got how many more albums to go? Uh, one, two, three, four, five. Six. I got six more albums to go before, because I have the vision for all my albums. I have six more albums to go. So in 30 years, I think I should be making my second to last album. And so I kind of want to be on the downswing of things, like settling in. I want to shift eventually into film production and movie production and stuff. You know, RG Productions taking over. So you're saying you'll somewhat well you could would you say you'll retire from music or will you kind of like put it aside because who am I thinking of? Let's say like 50 Cent. 50 yeah. Cent, he has all I don't you know how many albums he has. That like he got a few albums, but he's known for get rich, die trying. And now he has power. He's a film producer, he's an actor. And he's making books too. I just read his mm-hmm. book. He's a, he got a really nice book, but yeah. Yeah, so you want to be something like 50 Cent. Yeah, something like that. I feel like you can never truly retire from music. Like, if you're a musician, the music is always going to flow through you. It's always going. It's always going to do that. But I feel like, yeah, kind of like what you said, it's going to take like kind of a back burner in my head, and it's really going to be a different calling now. You know, because you never stay on the same thing your whole life, ever. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. What kind of films do you see yourself making? Honestly, I was thinking this earlier. Huh, what kind of films do I want to make? I'll manifest it now. I'll just say it. Um, I kind of want to do, I was thinking this earlier. I kind of want to do like, because the Bible is an interesting book. Like if you actually read it, it's very interesting. A lot of stories, very engaging. And so I kind of want to turn that into like, kind of like a series. Like, yeah, I'll just leave it at that. I kind of want to turn that into a series, like a Bible series where it's depicted and people can see it and like i feel like that'll reach more people because you know not everybody wants to read the bible which you really should you should read the bible you know it's god's word but i feel like if i can put it in a movie form first it'll make people want to go back and be like oh is this actually true let me look in the bible and see you know it'll it'll actually reach people like that so i, I really want to do that like people have done that before though like you see bible movies you see series and 
me personally, I stray away from those because they tend to be inaccurate. They tend they tend to miss important facts. Mm-hmm. And so like I stay away from those. My grandfather, he told me about, I think it's a series called series called Chosen. It was a crowdfunded film series, which is basically means they made a GoFundMe and people fund yeah. people paid money for them to make that show. And my grandfather said it's seven seven seasons and it's very accurate. But how would you set your film apart from these regular uh, films that just have like a white Jesus and people dressed in robes? First of all, that would be the first thing. Jesus was not white. <laughs> Jesus was not white. They would not be white. They would be. They would just be the color of their skin. Like I would, I would really figure that out because they weren't white. They were Arab. They were. You know, closer to darker, they were darker skinned people in the Bible. They weren't, they weren't white. So first yeah, like getting getting that accurate, you know, not getting the like the um because that's that's propaganda, like not getting the propaganda out, getting the getting the subjectivity out of it, you know, and just stuff like that. Yeah, like someone like Samson, like Samson was black. I mean I dread. Yeah, it literally said it literally said in the Bible, the seven locks <laughs> of his hair. And so like I'm reading stuff like that, and it's like, how are we depicting these people as white? It said seven locks. You know, it said it said King David was um ruddy and handsome. Ruddy people with ruddy skin, it means like red skin, kind of. You know, red skin people aren't white. What are we talking about right now? So yeah. it's it's definitely an agenda. So there's no agenda with me. I, I just I'm just serving God. That's it. If that's what God wants me to do, that's what I'm gonna do, and I'm gonna do it his way. That's what's gonna set me apart. Like, what do you think about, like, making the Bible, but in modern society? So, like, let's say you take the nation of Israel, you made that, like, the nation of somewhere local, Mm -hmm. just to, like, make it more modernized, just to, like, connect with our, like, the younger audience, the modern audience. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. I ain't going to play with God's word like that. I ain't going to do that. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. I, ain't gonna I respect that. Yeah. I ain't even going to play with it. I respect that. All right. So since you're talking about Christian films, would you consider doing Christian music? <clears throat> Believe it or not, I want to do a gospel album. I do want to do a gospel album. Oh, okay. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. You say gospel, but I've been told gospel is a specific genre like gospel is the music they sing at the church with the church ladies and choir and then like you got like christian artists out there that are like singing about christian uh stuff like who am i think of like there's someone named halvey i don't know if he's considered a rapper but i consider like one of those pop r&b rap mix of no, artists no, no, no. i want to get i want to get a <laughs> choir I want to get like oh you talking like yeah, Sunday service type okay yeah I want to get like a choir like um I'm at like gospel choir right now so so yeah I want to get like a choir do a gospel album like like Fred like a Fred Hammond album something okay. like that like okay. Love Unstoppable okay album I love that album where in where in your discography would that go like between now and let's say your let's say those ten years like we mentioned where would that happen. So we have, I really don't know. Um, so, uh, do I want to name drop all my albums right now? No, don't do that. 
<laughs> I kind of, I kind of want to. So people, so when I blow, people gonna go back to this pod. They're gonna be like, "Yup, he called it, y'all. He called it." But no, nah, I'm not gonna name drop. So we got the love story. I don't know. I feel like it'll go. So those six albums are like non non-gospel i kind of want to make those at the end so i want to make a gospel album and i want to do a christmas album too so the gospel albums will kind of be like on the tail end christmas albums, uh, yeah i want to do a christmas album i've never i never heard that dang that's interesting would you make that like a church music type uh like a gospel christmas album it would kind of be it would kind of be a little bit of both hmm See, that's gonna be that's gonna be a tough one. Cause it'll probably be both. I have a whole vision for that too, how I want to do that. I want that to be like an annual thing too. So yeah, I want to do a Christmas album. I think it would kind of be both because I want like also carol songs on there. And yeah, I also want like gospel Christmas songs too. You said annual, you mean like you're gonna drop a Christmas album every year? No, 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 no. So like it'll be a show televised um, oh oh well, okay. yeah like an annual thing like everybody's you know with their families turn on turn on that rg christmas show or whatever it's gonna be called you know and just it is what it is all right then. yeah lots of visions lots of visions over here that's crazy well i'm out of questions uh anything you want to talk about in particular um, not necessarily just, uh, just stay on your, stay on your path. Honestly, just all I got to say is just stay on your path. Do what's for you. You know, I feel like we're, I feel like we're at this point in the world where everybody's just doing, I kind of talk about this on my TikTok, one of the videos I'm, I'm going to post soon. Like nobody thinks for themselves anymore. Everybody's doing what other people think. Everybody's. Everybody's going in fields where other people are and doing things that aren't for them, that aren't their purpose. I'd say just self-discover and find your purpose, and then God will give you your vision. Bar. 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 Snaps. It's a bar. <laughs> so go and tell the people, when. when's the next time we can expect RG to drop a piece of music? I ain't gonna lie to y'all. RG is probably not gonna release for the rest of 2023. Well, you don't release two two pieces of work already this year. Yeah, you know, it's it's it was I say it was a good year, a good year for learning, good year for improvement, but RG yeah. will not be releasing anything. But hey, you can look for something early next year, early 2024. Right then. Gonna wrap it up there. Yeah. Appreciate you for being here. Really, oh, appreciate, really, really appreciate you for having you. me on the pod, bro. No problem. I've been on the pod for a minute, for sure. No problem. It's the first of many virtual collaborations. Did my Absolutely. first one. Did my first one last last month, something like that. Mm-hmm. Got a whole lot more virtual ones lined up. This is a good one, for sure. Yeah. All right. Thanks to anybody that tuned in and listened. Stream his music, uh, Superstar Dreams and Summer Haze. And uh-huh. early next year, look out for something special. I got the inside scoop on what's coming next. 
So do it's gonna be a, this is gonna be a good one. Yeah. Hey, you can at Ross Gardner on all, at Ross Gardner RG on all platforms. Um, you can find me on Apple Music, Spotify, whatever you listen to music to at Ross Gardner. Shout out Nate. Shout out the Imperfect Pod, man. Love what you're doing, bro. Appreciate it. Again, thank you all for coming. See y'all next time.